Good evening. This is Patrick Donnie. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We've been emphasizing Proverbs 14, verse 12, which we reads, There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. A lot of people, I think, religious people, claim, people who claim to be believers in Christ, are going by what seems right to them, what they think is good, not necessarily what the Bible says, but that could lead to death, spiritual death. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We need to follow God's word no matter what seems right to us. Now, I think this program would be pretty boring if it was just me preaching all the time. But that's the reason we have callers. I think the callers make it interesting for you guys. And in that light, let's go to Tim in Iowa. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Okay, I need to listen on the telephone. Two questions. Is there such a thing as an adulterous marriage? And does a bill of divorcement, that does not apply today, does it? So, um, in Matthew chapter 5... Well, let's begin with Matthew 19.9. You asked first about an adulterous marriage. Matthew 19.9, Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So, yes, there's such a thing as an adulterous marriage. Uh, If you put away your wife for any reason other than fornication, according to Jesus, and marry another, you commit adultery. So if I divorce Carol, if I divorce my wife Carol for incompatibility and married Betty, the marriage to Betty, Jesus calls adultery. Tim, what would I have to do? I'm in this marriage to Betty, this second marriage that Jesus says is adulterous. What would I have to do if I want to repent and get forgiveness for that? You have to get out of that marriage. Oh, yeah, that's right. You can't just say, God, I'm sorry for the adultery, but oh, by the way, I plan to keep, stay in this uh, adulterous marriage. I plan to keep committing adulterous Adultery regularly with Betty, you can't do that. That's not repentance. Any more than Pretty a gay plain. marriage, somebody could any more than a gay marriage, somebody could say, Well, I'm going I'm sorry for my homosexuality, but I'm gonna stay in this homosexual marriage. That didn't work. Or a polygamous marriage. Somebody's married to two women and he says, God, I'm sorry, I know I'm committing adultery with a second woman, but I'm gonna keep both wives, keep on committing adultery. That's not repentance. Nope. And so in Matthew five, verse thirty two thirty one and thirty two, in answer to the second part of your question. Jesus said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say to you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whoso shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. So in that time, evidently, divorce was something legal, something they did with like a bill of divorcement. It's the same in the United States. It may not be the same in every country, but in the United States, you have to get a divorce just like you have to getting married is something legal. You can't just shack up, you know, and and. and and just say, I'm married. <laughs> you can't do that. You have to do something legal, get a marriage license and so forth, get a divorce or something legal. It's the same way in Jesus' day. But if you do that, if you get a divorce, saving for the cause of fornication, you cause your wife to commit adultery. And whoever marries her, the woman you put away, commits adultery. Go ahead, Tim. Divorcement, What's your follow-up? That, divorce, that divorcement only applies for fornication. Well, you know, you can get a divorce not for fornication, but it's a sin. Just like if you murder somebody, and uh, it's a sin, but they're still dead. So if you divorce your wife for incompatibility, you're divorced, but it's an unscriptural divorce. It's a sinful divorce. That's what, just like murder. That's what I'm saying. Yep. That's what I was getting at. That- yep. 
William from Florida, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, I want to have an understanding of Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, because so, Demas left Paul. I want to know, and the scripture said he went back into this present world. Um, I want to know if he loses salvation or according to Second First John 2 and verse 15 through 17, he said he that loved the world. Well, how about let's go to, to answer your question, let's go, you ask if somebody goes back into the world, are, do they lose their salvation? Second no, I'm Peter talking two, about tw- Demos. Yes, yeah. Demos so Second Peter 2.20, William, you, 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 you ask a question, let me answer the question, okay? So Second Peter 2.20 talks about this specifically. It says, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Now, this word pollutions here is not talking about smog. The footnote, King James, is sin. And the newer translations will say defilements or corruptions of the world. So if a person escapes the sins of the world through the knowledge of Christ, that's a Christian, but they're entangled back in the sins of the world to overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Of course, the beginning is them becoming, before they became a Christian, they're lost. So they are, now they've been saved. They go back into the world, living the life of the world like Demas. This Second T- Peter 2.20 says they're going to be lost. So Demas did lose his salvation if he went back into the world, back into sin. Now go ahead, William. Um, so... So Demas and uh, so according to Second Timothy chapter four and verse ten, uh, would you say Demas lost his salvation, right? Yeah, because he Second Peter two twenty says if anybody does what Demas does, the latter end is worse to them in the beginning. In other words, they're worse off. They've never become a Christian to begin with. Does that answer your question, William? Yes, he was not Christian from the beginning. Gary from Tennessee, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, my question, my question is uh, about crime and the state of the world. So the world, I think, is way worse off than when I was growing up, and I'm, I'm 62 years old. So go back 50 years ago when I was 12. It's way more crime, more sin. Homosexuality was really unheard of back then, and now it's accepted everywhere. Divorce and remarriage was much. Uh, rare back then. Now, uh, divorce, they say over half the marriages end in divorce. And the thing about it is churches are accepting these adulterous marriages. I mean, Tim from Iowa called with a great question a while ago. What about this? Is there such a thing as an adulterous marriage? Yes. And churches are accepting adulterous marriages. That's not any better than accepting gay marriages. They're both wrong. Yeah. If I divorce right. Carol for any reason other than fornication and marry another, I'm committing adultery. Churches are saying, well, that's that's regrettable, but you can stay in the marriage. That's saying you can keep on committing adultery and still go to heaven. <laughs> Many pastors right, say right. adultery. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Gary. I'm sorry. Question. This is my question. We don't care. Uh, how do you feel about the slaughter that happened with the Jewish people when, when they cut babies out of the mother's womb and and sexually raped children and cut off babies' heads? In Israel, what, why did you be on that? So any abortion, the killing of a baby in the womb or out of the womb is murder. So the Bible teaches that murderers will have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone. 
Tim, you got any follow-up? You talking to me? Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, one real quick question. Are you going to get back on any more AM stations? So let's talk some more about uh, – let me go back to William from Florida. William, you got any follow-up on Demas in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10? Yes, because um, according to the rest of the guys then that leave Paul, leave Paul, did they lose their salvation also? Anybody who goes Second Peter two, anybody who goes back into the world, no, no, not will lose not their salvation. Peter. And so, let's talk a little bit about Revelation three verse ten. It says, "He that overcometh." The same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father, before his angels. So Jesus, the book of life is mentioned six or eight or ten times in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. It's a list, God's list of the names of all the saved people. Jesus is saying, if you overcome, talking about temptation or persecution, I will not blot your name out of the book of life, which means if you don't overcome temptation, your name will be blotted out of the book of life. And you can't be in the book of life unless you're saved to start with. So you're in the book of life, you're saved, your name is blotted out of the book of life because you don't overcome temptation. According to Jesus, a person can lose his salvation. He can be in the book of life, saved, blotted out of the book of life. If he doesn't overcome temptation, he loses his salvation. Now, I know a lot of my listeners are thinking, no, you can't. Once saved, always saved. Because that's what their preachers told them. But, of course, that contradicts what Jesus says here in Revelation 3.10. And you can't make it any clearer. You can't make it any clearer. It's not that it's unclear. It's that people want to believe, once saved, always saved, because they want to be able to live any way they want to and still be saved. It's wishful thinking. Jesus says if you overcome, talking about temptation and persecution, he will not blot your name out of the book of life. Now, that's very clear. If you don't overcome temptation, he will blot your name out, which means you were in the book of life, you were saved, he blotted you out, you're no longer saved. There's no way to get around that. I know there's people out there itching to figure out a way to get around that. Instead of working so hard to get around the Bible, why not just believe what it says? Sorry, I'm getting so excited about this. Sorry about that. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Here, John is talking to Christians. There's a lot of passages in the Bible that are written to people about people who are sinners, not Christians. What do they have to do to become a Christian? What do they have to do to be saved? 1 John 1, 9 is not that. It's written to Christians. Because when we become a Christian, Peter told believers in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So when you get baptized, you get the forgiveness of all the sins you've ever committed, according to Peter in Acts 2.38. But it doesn't do you any good to be baptized unless you repent first. It's not just be baptized for the remission of sins. It's repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So a person has to repent. He's, got, he's committing the change in his life in regard to sin. In the terminology of Romans 6, he's going to quit serving sin, start serving righteousness. He repents of his sins. He gets baptized. He's born again, according to John 3, 5. He's forgiven of all his sins, and God is going to expect him to follow through on that commitment. And what we're talking about tonight is if you don't follow through on that commitment, yes, you can lose your salvation. First, when you become a Christian, hopefully you're going to sin a lot less in the future than you did in the past. But nobody lives perfectly. How can a Christian who sins be forgiven of his sins? First John 1 9 says, it's written to a Christian who sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, God will forgive us. The implication is, the necessary implication is, 
if you don't confess them, he will not forgive you. So here's a person that becomes a Christian. I'm not talking about a pretender, a true Christian, but later he decides to quit serving the Lord. He's not going to confess his sins. He's not going to confess his sins, so he's not going to be forgiven. He's going to be lost. If you have a Bible question or comment, then the lines are now wide open, 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Here's another passage, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. Paul said, I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Or, as the New King James says, disqualified. Disqualified from what? From salvation. You know, a stowaway is a person who gets in a boat or a plane, hides away somewhere in there trying to get a free ride. A castaway is like Jonah, thrown off the ship. He's not going to make his destination. Paul is saying, look, if I don't discipline my body, keep it under subjection, even when I'm preaching to others, I'm going to become a castaway. I'm going to not make my destination. I'm not going to make heaven. I'm going to become disqualified from salvation. We know what disciplining our body means. I've been married, am married. Beautiful woman walks by. Maybe I'm tempted. i got to control my lust, control my desires, control my body, and not try to make a rendezvous with that woman. got to keep my body under subjection. Suppose somebody's being real mean to me. I could fly off the handle and get real mad and lose my temper and Call them some bad words. No, I got to control my body, control my temper. Paul is saying if he didn't control his body, if he didn't bring it under subjection, he could be disqualified from salvation. And if Paul, perhaps the greatest gospel preacher of all time, second only to Jesus Christ, if he could lose his salvation, and that's the possibility presented in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, if Paul could lose his salvation, then certainly I could lose my salvation. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. We've looked in the last two or three weeks at a bunch of New Testament passages proving conclusively there is no once saved, always saved. You can lose your salvation. Let's show that the same thing was true under the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament, they lived under a different law. They lived under the law of Moses. We live under the law of Christ, the New Testament. Here's what Ezekiel 18.24 says. But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. In his trespass that he hath trespassed and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Here's a righteous man. Of course, to be righteous, he's going to have to have been forgiven at some point. Nobody lives perfectly. So he's been forgiven. He's living according to God's law, the Old Testament law back then. He's living righteously, but he changes. He starts doing according to all the abominations that the wicked man does. He commits iniquity. The question raised in the verse is going to live or die. It's talking about spiritual life or spiritual death. The answer is he's going to die. He's a righteous man. He's been forgiven. He's living according to God's law, but he changes and he quits living the righteous lifestyle. He says he's going to die spiritually. Again, proving once saved, always saved is false. Here's another passage in the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 15, verse 2. It says, he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, 
he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, that middle part of that verse says, the Lord is with you while ye be with him. What does that say about if you quit being with him? Well, it says he won't be with you anymore. That's confirmed by the end of the passage. It says, if you forsake him, he will forsake you. He will forsake you. Now, the once saved, always saved position is that even if you forsake God, he'll, he won't forsake you. But this passage says that he will forsake you. If you forsake him, it says God will forsake you. You'll lose your salvation. Mary May from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi. Um, I was just wondering, in today's world of technology and the ease of it, is um, married or not married, watching pornography, fornication, um, or cheating or not? So fornic- watching pornography, let me read to you. Good question, May. Galatians five nineteen. It says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Then it finishes out with about 8 or 10 or 12 more sins. We'll skip that because you're asking about pornography. It says, as I've told you in time past, verse 21, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So people involved in adultery, fornication, lasciviousness will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, adultery is like, as an example, if I cheat on my wife, Carol. Fornication, uh-huh. there's a number of ways to commit fornication, but we usually think of it as two single people have sex before they're married. But then you okay. have this word lasciviousness. So when a man looks at pornography, he's looking at the private parts of a woman that's not his wife. He has no right to do that. It's, he's, he's actually wanting it, wanting to lust after that woman. Of course, Matthew five twenty eight says, whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So lasciviousness or looking at pornography may is not necessarily fornication in the sense that you've gone all the way, but it's still uh-huh. a sexual sin condemned by passages like Galatians five nineteen through twenty one. And those that practice that porn, pornography will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now they can be forgiven if they'll repent and stop, but if they keep on doing it and don't repent, they they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They'll be lost. It's a sin just like fornication, adultery. It's a sin just like gossiping. It's a sin just mm-hmm. like, well, think of any other sin. It's a sin. Yeah. Go ahead, May. You got to okay. follow up? Yeah. So if there's a marriage and um, we'll just say the husband is uh, chronically watches it over the years and can't be free from it, if does that um, count to divorce for that reason or is that not under the um, law of being able to divorce? Okay. To help answer that question, I'm going to give you a parallel, May. In mm-hmm. 1 John 3.15, the Bible says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that huh. no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So if I hate my brother, this is basically saying I've committed murder in my heart. Right? Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure in the Old Testament, that, that the Old Testament taught the same thing. If you were to hate your brother, that's murder in the heart. But if okay. somebody hated his brother in the Old Testament... Did they get the same penalty as a person who actually murdered his brother? Were they put to death, no. hung, or whatever, stoned? No. No. So hate is murder in the heart, but the penalty is not the same as actual murder. And it's the same okay. way with lust. Lust is adultery in the heart, but the, the, the only cause for divorce, according to the verse we read earlier, Matthew nineteen nine, 
whoever puts away their wife, except it be for fornication, uh-huh. and marries another, commits adultery. The only cause you can divorce your spouse is for fornication, not okay. fornication in the heart, not adultery in the heart. It's a sin. Got it. Mm-hmm. Just like drunkenness is a sin, but you can't divorce your spouse for drunkenness. Pornography right. is a sin, but you can't divorce them for that. But if they cheat on you with another woman, then Matthew uh-huh. nineteen nine allows you to put them away and remarry. Does that answer your question? Got you it. see the parallel to murder in the heart? Hate is murder in the heart, but it doesn't have the same penalty as actual murder? Yes, very much. Thank you. I've always wondered that, and thank you very much. Thank you, May. Gary from Tennessee, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Well, I, w- I want to comment to that young lady that just had that comment. Can I, can I respond to that comment first? Well, go ahead, Gary, but we got uh, other callers, so go as quick okay, as you can, okay. Gary. No, number one, number one, anybody that looks at pornography, what they are doing is supporting sex, the sex industry, we support sex slave, sex slavery. Uh, so, Thank you, Gary. So I appreciate it. So, you're, you're, exact, you're exactly right. Claudia from California, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi. My question is regarding the prayer that Jesus prayed at when he was being crucified, asking uh, God the Father to forgive them for they knew not what they do. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm having trouble understanding why he prayed that when uh the people were crying out for him to be crucified you know they okay, that's, they that's a uh-huh. good question luke 23:34 jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they do now he's praying that god will forgive them but he's not saying he's not saying they're going to be forgiven without repentance when we get to acts 2 we have acts chapter 2 we have peter preaching to a lot of these same people who are clamoring for Jesus to be crucified. The people that Jesus is talking about in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Peter's preaching to those in Acts chapter 2. For example, in verse 23, he says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Peter's saying, you crucified the Lord. He's talking to these Jews that clamored for his, his crucifixion. He says the same thing in verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So you see, Peter's preaching to the people that, the Jews that clamored for the crucifixion of Jesus, the ones that Jesus is talking about in Luke 23, 34. You follow me, Claudia? Claudia, do you follow me? So going on in Acts 2, Peter said in Acts 2, 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And according to verse 41, there's about 3,000 souls that were baptized and received forgiveness. Jesus is praying that they would be forgiven. 3,000 of them were. He's not saying forgive them even if they don't repent. We see from Peter that they had to repent and be baptized to get forgiven, to be forgiven. And they were. Peter, Jesus is praying that they would be forgiven. That In effect, he's saying He's praying that they would meet the conditions of forgiveness and be forgiven. Peter told them the conditions. These Jews who had crucified the Lord, verse 36 and verse 38 of Acts 2, he says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. 3,000 of them did, according to verse 41. So they were forgiven. Jesus' prayer was answered only though if they obeyed the gospel, if they repented and were baptized. 
We're about to run out of time. Ruby from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Okay, yes. For uh, Hebrews 6, 4, I thought you could be forgiven, but it said it's impossible for those who once enlightened have tasted the heavenly gift. Okay. To let, be... let me, I got to go off the air. It says, okay. it says, it is, if they shall fall away, verse 6, to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him into an open shame. So in James five nineteen through 21, it talks about a, a brother erring from the truth, and we're supposed to try to convert him back. And if we do, he save his soul from death, James five nineteen and 20. So you can be forgiven, but you can't be forgiven as long as you crucify yourself to the Son of God afresh. If you're not willing to repent, you, don't, you won't be forgiven. We're going to have to go off the air, Ruby. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, sometime at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free Bible study, 256-682-9753.